0: Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that is simply a discussion with a couple of local church leaders. Who can't push the right buttons. We'll figure it out one day. Today's topic, being saved, which I think we'll get to here in just a moment. But first, I am the A-Game, Adam Bailey, an elder grassroots church here in the Greenbrier Valley of West Virginia. Joined again, as always, by the main man himself, the lead technician for the Roundtable podcast, Darren
1: Cherry. Hi, Darren. Oh, my goodness. We are using new uh, programs, a new setup. And so um, let's cover a couple things real quick. One, uh, we can't wait to hear the ladies. What would you call it? The wives cast? I called it the grass. At first, it was the grassroots
0: elders wife cast. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. We need more lady perspectives on the podcast. And I'm thinking, wow, if we can actually have like two or three women once a month within grassroots churches and talk about topics that affect women and enlighten us meathead dudes. That sounds good. So it went from being the grassroots elders wife cast to the, I don't know, Something, something bigger, like more more inclusive. Okay. Like the grassroots. Nags cast? <laughs> I thought I heard you say that. Nope. That's just you, Darren. <laughs> And You wrote that on your, your blog. Remember <laughs> the Meathead blog? Oh, that's right. <clears throat> but uh, no, it was actually getting more into like the grassroots roundtable, like ladies. Ladies cast. cast. The
1: ladies of grassroots. Roundtable well, ladies cast. So they recorded this past Sunday. They did a great job. Except we need a new technician. The lead technician doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) So I apologize. But to our faithful listeners, um, all four of you, they will re-record. They will do a great job. Look forward to hearing that. But the other thing I wanted to cover, we're also at a brand new round table. It's a nice round table. This came, and I'm not kidding, this came from a Starbucks in Charlottesville. Oh, it's nice. But do you feel... Maybe you're a little bit taller than I am. How tall are you? 6'2". Okay, so you're, you're, you're about three inches taller than me. I feel like I'm at the kiddie table right now. <laughs> because it's high up on your chest? It's higher up than the old table. Where, like, the old table used to be lower. My, oh, but I this one, this. I have to lift my arms up. So I kind of sat down. I'm like, I feel like I'm in kindergarten again.
0: Oh, no, I love it. I'm actually at a table where if I put my elbows on the table, like, my back is straight. I have terrible posture. Oh, well. It's actually hurting hurting a few things. Thirty-two man, thirties are like the, the most minuscule things like so I worked four hours this morning at a desk and I was twisted
1: at a weird angle and how my my rib hurts. What? You wake up with weird like aches and you're like, when did I do anything? Yeah, oh I slept
0: in a bed <laughs> that was plush, and apparently as you get older you need a little bit more firmness to the mattress. But I feel like Jesse and I will wake up at this point in our lives. And be like, you know, I wake up and like, oh yeah, I'm kind of congested. I don't know why my calf hurts at this point. And she's like, yeah, I was up three times with Ruthie last night. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it is. But I'm a morning person, so I drink a cup of coffee. And I'm like, woohoo, life yeah. is good. And Jesse's more like,
1: I'm going now <laughs> to go to well, Manic
0: Express to get a cup of coffee, which is where she's
1: been going a lot. Have you gone there yet? I haven't. I keep meaning to. It, it's like still not in my mind that it's there. So I'm gonna go get a coffee. So I go to the Wild Bean, and then it's like, and then I drive through Fairly. I'm like, Dad, I keep forgetting to go there, mm. but um, but yeah, I need to stop there. But yeah, it's new setup. We are in our upper room here at the theater instead of on the stage. New round table. New. It sounds weird. The the
0: sound is different in here because we're enclosed and not on a theater stage.
1: Yeah, but it but it's
0: good to be back. It's good to be back. Oh, it's really good to be back. Darren, thank you so much for the breakfast date this morning. Hey, I'm looking forward to our lunch date. The, <laughs> the, the three-hour conversation we had over some exceptional brew. Darren, where are you going? Gotta He's got to get his phone. These daggone millennials. He literally just got up in the middle of my wonderful sentence. I was about to talk about a great time we had, but you left me to so go get your phone. But you're going to need your phone. Because we're going to have to have some some scripture up in here. It's going to get kind of real here in a few minutes. I just realized that I forgot it. And so now I've got it. Now I'm ready. Now we know. Now he can fact check me. But, Darren, I do appreciate the three-hour conversation. A <laughs> long time overdue. You remember when we used to do that every week?
1: Like once a week? We did. That was like, it well, it started off as like your training. But it was like part training, but just part hanging out and just kind of like in my mind i was just pouring into you but then just ended up talking but then it became like our official elders meetings but then now we have more elders and so we actually have to have (laughs) official elders formal we
0: can't we can't um you know go off the rail conversationally for two hours but hey we things get done we literally solved all the world's problems I actually thought about having a podcast since we're not allowed to do one. Like a, like a 30-minute episode on sports in the office. <laughs> Cuz I do have a lot of opinions about sports right now. Aaron Rodgers, what up? Cuz he listens. Do you know that? Well, I had I had I thought I heard him quote one of us during one of the press conferences, but right. I wasn't sure. He used air quotes around the word immunized. I'm like he does listen to the podcast. Anyway, it's good to be back. It is. Uh, stay tuned. We will hopefully have the ladies cast, the roundtable ladies cast coming out soon. You know, our wives don't even know that didn't record. They mine does. Uh, Yours and Mark's uh, doesn't. But anyway, we can, we can iron that out. We actually had a topic lined up to kind of piggyback on what they were talking about, but I feel it's better for them to talk about it first out of respect and then we will add to that conversation a little bit later on. So today we're taking a little bit of a left left turn. Is that a is that a thing in a conversation? Yeah, we're taking a little bit of a left turn today.
1: Yeah, we're going we're going to sure. go a different we're, direction. We're going
0: down a side road. We're taking the back road today. Little little bit of a detour. Uh today we're going to be talk about today we're going to be talking about, excuse me, being saved, which is a phrase you hear often in Christian precincts. And I was just kind of hoping, Darren, that we can sit down and talk about it. What does it mean to be saved or to get saved? How does someone get saved? What is salvation? Like, what what does that look like? Because you hear the phrase all the time. It's not uncommon to hear, you know, 40 year old anybody say, a churchgoer, non churchgoer, man, woman, but for a 40 year old person, be like, yeah, I got saved when I was 11 years old. It's like, do they do we Christians even understand what we're saying when we say I got saved or how
1: well, that works out? It's a, it's a big topic. And, I understand and that's that. A, you brought it up and I was like, Oh man, we should, we should talk about that. And, and there's a couple reasons. One, I, I told you we have been on Sunday mornings here this year, every other month going through the parables of Jesus. Well, as we've gone through those parables, the, the kind of the, overall theme of those parables seems to be citizenship in the kingdom of God, which comes down to, in our vernacular that we are talking about today, who's saved and who's not. And how do you know whether you are saved or not, a child of God or not? And, and looking at that, teaching through that um, And then we are planning a series right now for January called A Gospel Primer, which is we want to go to the roots of what is the gospel. Um, And just talking about salvation and who's saved, who's not saved, are you saved, when did you get saved, and just the idea of what is it, what do we mean when we say I got saved. And does that not mean different things to different people even within
0: Christian circles? Does being saved mean something different to a Baptist than to a Presbyterian than to a Methodist to uh Catholic? You know, being saved. I don't even know if some denominations use that phrase. Maybe that's a just a Baptist phrase. Have you heard any other denominations use the phrase I got saved?
1: Um yeah, I think I think more fundamental Evangelical churches, uh, ranging from Methodist to Independent Baptist, um, Southern Baptist, even uh, charismatic uh, churches. Ones that I've been around use the phrase, um, or or would ask the question, "When when were you saved?" Um, oh, I got saved when you know, and then fill in the blank of the life story or whatever. But um, but yeah, I've I've heard it. In those, I will say, I don't hear it as much in um, reformed circles. I don't hear that as much. Um, but in, in other circles, I do. Yes, yeah, an interesting phrase.
0: And I will start here. I've never been a big fan of the phrase, I got saved. I mean, my salvation story, I became a believer. Like I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ, surrendered myself to him when I was a seven-year-old boy. So for me, I I wouldn't, I don't, and I understand, I don't think it's wrong to say the phrase, I got saved when I was seven years old. I don't think it's wrong because I understand what people mean usually, especially within grassroots. I understand where they're coming from. But I do believe there are better phrases that would work inside the church, but not outside the church. Like if you go to, um, you know, work, if you work in a non-faith-based institution and someone asks you about what you believe, if you were to say, well, I received Christ when I was seven years old, I think that's more accurate, but it's not going to click. Now, if you say I got saved when I was seven years old, people like, ah, I know what you mean. But if you're to say I received Christ, I surrendered my life to Jesus. When I was seven, I don't know if it really connects with people. And if anything, that's a reprimand on us Christians for not explaining the, go- the gospel well enough. But Darren, do you think that the phrase I got
1: saved is inefficient or is it okay? I think it's a, um, what's the word? In English grammar, vernacular, it would be the wrong connotation of the word. Um, because I got asked recently, uh, is the gospel for non-believers or believers? That was the question. And my answer was yes. And of course, explain, um, the gospels for non-believers to come to faith in Christ. Okay. The gospels for believers to remember, uh, that we are in Christ Okay. So we do the same thing with, you know, we, we think the gospel is just for people who aren't saved, um, who aren't Christians. And we do the same thing with being saved. We, we put it in the wrong time frame. of, oh yeah, I was saved back here. I was saved at, at six years old. I was saved when I was 12 years old. I was saved when I was 28 years old. Um, but I can give you a verse. Give us a verse. I can give you a verse. Lead elder, whipping, whipping out some scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Um, Paul actually goes in to say, in just verse 1, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Okay, so he's like, I, I want you to remember that gospel. Again, the gospel isn't just for non-believers, It's for believers to continue to have preached over them. But verse two, he says, and by which you are being saved. So it's this idea, I guess I would pose the question to you. Is it present progressive? It's it, not past tense. I think I understand tense. that question. Yeah, it's not past tense, it's happening. So the question, I guess I would just shoot to you right now would be Adam, when are we saved? Oh, gosh. When you pray the p- prayer,
0: um, no. I. When are you saved? I have to think about. It. Man, that's a, that's a weighty question. Um, thinking about me in my life, I say I. Say that question one more time. I want to pick these words. When, when,
1: when somebody says they're Christian. When were they or are they saved? I believe that someone is
0: saved when they recognize that they are created by a God who loves them and that wants to be with them, but that we're disconnected from God because of our own sin. We naturally will rebel against him and we live in sin and the wages of sin is death. Recognizing that, recognizing that we rebelled against God, we in our nature have done bad things, we naturally rebel. A person gets saved when they recognize, when they they actually believe that they are a sinner, that they're created by a loving God who wants to be with them, and that by believing in the Redeeming work of Jesus Christ. That's when someone gets saved. And it, and again, it's it's like a it's a receiving. We talked about that earlier on. Like I think it's more efficient, and it gets to the point across in a more specific way. It's just saying, yeah, I got saved when I was seven years old. Like I remember, uh, you know, my dad was asking me, he's like, yeah, you. you Which is true. I did want to get, I wanted to be saved because my sister, she got saved and she got to take part of communion. And I thought, ooh, I want to do communion. And they're like, no, you can't because you're not saved. And I was like, what? Well, I want to be saved. Anyway, I remember having a conversation with dad one random evening. I think it was a Tuesday, actually, because that Wednesday um, we had services. But it was like, you, you want to know what that means? He's like, well, here it is. Like, you're a sinner. God loves you. You got to repent of your sins, give your life to him and just trust in him. Uh, so I, and then it's like, you know, now I'll pray and just ask for forgiveness and, you know, say, thank you, Jesus for saving me and continuing that relationship. So I think it's more accurate to say, I know I got saved in that process to be like, in that moment I received Christ. And then through then, you know, I've grown up a little bit smarter, know a little bit more, have a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more wisdom. It's like, I'm able to understand that in a deeper and fuller way. It's like it's unfolding itself as I experience the world more, the community more understand relationships more, understand nature and creation more It's like I feel like I am able to more and more experience my place in the universe and God's place in the universe now do you want some
1: scripture well the <laughs> the reason is and We, we talk, you talk about how we receive Christ, and, and obviously everything you just said, recognizing our rebellion, recognizing our, our need for a Savior, and recognizing that Jesus is that Savior. We are only able to receive that when the Holy Spirit illuminates our eyes to that and gives us the faith we need
0: in order to believe. Yeah, because the evidence is all around us. It's like we see things all the time without picking up on it. For example, you know how they say whenever you buy a certain type of car, a certain color, suddenly you see that car everywhere because you're looking for it. It was always there, but now you're looking for it. It's, it's this element of confirmation bias. I found out the same thing with words. Like I'll learn a new word. I'm like, ooh, this is a fancy new word. And I swear, everywhere I go, I'm hearing this word. For us humans, people it's like i think we see the work of god all around us all the time but until our eyes are open we can't really understand it and accept it for that it's like everyone experiences christ like he reveals himself to everybody like god is revealing himself to everybody the question is romans one do you see it and we cannot on our own open up our eyes to understand that but yeah salvation everything starts with god and that's another mistake people make when they're like i got saved when i was 7 well okay let's 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 do this another way more generic form like i got saved when i was 17 um, went to church you know it, it like they they have the initiative on themselves i got saved and you also see the same thing it's like how does someone get to heaven you don't get to heaven you're given
1: yeah you're gifted heaven you're yeah. gifted heaven yeah that's the thing is um we talk about it we've talked about it before, I've preached about it. We've preached. I still crack up. When you say you, you you're a teacher and past tense you taught. Yet when you're a preacher past <laughs> you, tense you prot. You don't prot you preached. Just kinda of wondered all that. But, well, but that's because you're backwoods Baptist. That's true, but uh but it's this whole idea like I was not saved because I said a prayer. Absolutely not. Because there are a lot of of people who have prayed a prayer, but they did not have faith, and so and, and it's dangerous too. And there are pastors.
0: I know this for a fact, and this is a big part of um, um all Paul Washer's ministry. Yep, it's like so many people they will pray a prayer in youth group, and then continue to live their lives like they would without Christ, without really owning it and just dedicating their lives to Jesus. They continue to live their lives outside of that. And then if they start having doubts or more like conviction, and then they go to a they know the pastor and be like, yeah, I mean, I just don't know if I'm saved. And they're like, well, remember this? You prayed this prayer. And they point back to that prayer. And it's like, oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? Woo! And it's like, is your confidence in yourself? And that's
1: the thing is we didn't just make a good choice one day, and, and now we're a child of God. What it is, and, and just everybody, you know, Romans 10 talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you're talking about, Romans 1 talks about God's wrath is revealed against all mankind, and it's through, there is something inside of us innately telling us, and all of his nature. We are children of wrath. Is that the phrase that uses there in Romans? Well, yeah. One of the the places where we are not, uh, we were by nature children of wrath. And so, but we see all these things, but why do some people see it and not respond, and some people see it and respond uh, in faith? And First, we see that faith comes by hearing and hear by the Word of God. So the the church is given the mission of sharing the gospel, okay? But through the gospel sharing and the proclamation of the gospel, we cannot change anybody. Like, we can't do it. All we can do is is proclaim. All we can do is share. That's where faith then comes in. Where does faith come from? Again, Romans, for by grace you have been saved through faith, it is a gift of God. Now, a lot of times growing up, I thought it is a gift of God was the grace. But the actual subject of that sentence is faith. Faith is a gift of God. Okay, now, grace is also a gift of God as well. But God gives us the faith we need to believe, and then our hearts are regenerated. Now, that's the word I'd like to see more people use than saved, is regenerated. Because when were you saved, Okay. Better questions. When were you regenerated? And that's a biblical word that talks in the word itself. It gives the understanding of, I was changed from one thing to another, from a child of wrath to a child of grace. I was regenerated. I was made new. And so looking at scripture, when were you saved? Well, we already read in 1 Corinthians, you are Being saved. So there is a moment where you are regenerated and you are counted amongst the church. You are the counted amongst the bride of Christ, the kingdom of God, all those you know, things, those visuals that we have. But when are we saved? That's the
0: culmination. And we we really need to talk about what does it mean to be saved? Because most people, most Americans, when they hear the phrase, I'm saved, it's like I'm saved from a devil's hell a lake of fire, wailing and gnashing of teeth, eternal torment. I'm saved from that. Is that the end of it, or is there more to it? It's like, I got saved. It's like, okay, now flesh that out. Saved from what? Uh, An eternal torment and hell and everything. God saved me from that. And it's like there's there's a bigger picture uh, to be painted here. And, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Like you are absolutely saved from that. You're saved from death.
1: You're saved, saved from, from sin. From, Keep going. You're saved from death. From? You're saved from sin. From? Saved from Bad eternal decision. separation.
0: Being poor. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what I did. Oh, <laughs> y'all
1: eternal don't separation. know. You should have seen my face yeah. just now. It's about A- to be like, hold on. Eternal separation from the one thing that can satisfy you the most. Yep. So all those Darkness. were saved from those things. But saved we're also Saved to truth. To yes. life. The Light. American way.
0: Life. Wait. True prosperity. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's what we want. We want life. We want liberty. Or give me death. That's what Patrick Henry said. Hey. You know he the opposite was, of you know the opposite of death? Liberty. He was preaching. But here's the thing. If we <laughs> if we had total, complete free will, we're gonna choose death the entire
1: every time. Every time. Well, and Romans three says that, that every time I'm given my own choice apart from Christ, I'm choosing me. Every time. Every Which, time. And
0: and that's the thing. Human nature is good. Like, honestly, I think overall we're good. But there's a difference in good than righteousness and godliness. We're not called to be
1: good. We're called to be righteous and holy. But Yeah. Good by human standards. By God's standards, our goodness is trash. Because yeah, people so someone's human listening standards. to this are
0: like Well, I'm good. I don't need to be saved. I'm good enough. It's like in the end, no, because you don't have the capacity. You can't. We, I cannot. You cannot, Darren. We cannot achieve righteousness. We cannot achieve holiness. And that's what you have to start with. Like if, we're, if you're going to have a conversation about being saved, you got to start with God. And I think that we make I make the big error of I am the center of my universe all the time. Like I feel yeah. like reality is a movie or a play or a book. It's a story and I am in the center. It all goes around me, but it's like I'm not. No. God, He's the, the creator, it, yeah. the righteous, perfect beginning and end of all creation is the center. I'm, I'm and, off in the peripheral. And he invited us into the story. And that's the most beautiful part about it. It's like you have this, this deity that is eternal, infinite, loves beauty, creates and then inserts us to to share with a species, if you will. I don't think he's not that word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, a certain type of creature, humanity, to share in that joy, to share in that life, brought us along with it. I mean, and that's ultimate glory right there. Like to be able to like, hey, if I make something so good and I want someone to experience it, I want to make some some little creature that will enjoy what I just made there because it reveals my glory to that creature. And we got to start there. God made everything righteous, perfect, holy. The universe, galaxy, earth, me, you, everyone listening, everyone who's ever been alive in eternity. You know, we were made by that God. But the problem is we rebel. Like we choose not to recognize God as God. We recognize humans ourselves. We are our own gods. Yep. And that's like don't want to be like God condemns us to
1: hell. Y- yeah, but we're we are our own worst enemy, too. Well and and let me let me go to scripture again because I I always the gospel in a nutshell. Okay, we often go to John three sixteen. Okay. About John three seventeen. That's the one I'm going to because John three sixteen, we I'm gonna read it just for context. I I love how we think the same way. (laughs) Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay. The gospel in a nutshell. And in fact, you know, Paul talks later on that I, I brought to you of first importance, um, that Christ died, was buried, and risen again, and your faith is in that work on the cross. So he, he gospel in the nutshell right here. But verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in, the, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. This is verse 18. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so it's like. It's a slow death. Yeah. It, and it's this idea that, you know, God condemns us to hell. We condemned ourselves to rebellion. Now, people often. I was talking to somebody uh, in discipleship the other day how we love the marshmallow, fluffy, rainbow, unicorn Jesus, where it's like. Jesus is all love, God is all love, there is no condemnation, there is no wrath, um, and there is no hate. And, and we have to remember his scripture, we have to believe in the God that is revealed in scripture as he reveals himself. We don't get to make him up. <laughs> right, because if we make up a God, we're just projecting ourselves.
0: Yeah, we're going to make up one that we can stack and up And that's against. the thing, human nature, we were made to worship something, and we will. Oh, yeah. We will. Every time. It'll be us.
1: It'll be us primarily, and then we will have other things that we stack up against. And that's what, when we look at it, first of all, Scripture says there are things God hates. Okay? But then also... Ketchup. Just the smell of it, though. No. Everything. The taste is okay. It is... Ketchup, listener, is 100% disgusting. The the taste is okay. I can't stand the smell of it. If I smell it, I'm done. (laughs) Really? But if I if smell I eat, smell and it's taste okay. are the same thing. Ugh. Now, it, I, the I like the taste, like dipping some fries in it. But if like gets on your hand and then you smell your oh, but Ew. but it, when we when we look at crusty ketchup is the worst too, like scraping it off of a plate that you didn't get it off of when you first put oh, it in the dude, sink, it's like ah, oh. so crispy. God hates that. It's nasty. That is a result of the fall. <laughs> okay, but um, but <laughs> it's true. But it is this, this idea that that God is a God of wrath. Why is God a God of wrath? Because God is a God of love. All right, I, I was explaining this to, to who I was in discipleship with. Um, I love my boys, okay? All four of my boys, I love them. Go ahead and lay a hand on them and see if I don't also have wrath in me. It's because love breeds wrath. God's holiness demands our worship. And because we choose to worship other things, his love for us and his demand for worship because of who he is, he's also God of wrath. And so when he's we a, talk about being saved, he's yes, a jealous God. He and, he and that's the thing. He knows that
0: only he can satisfy, fulfill us. the The best version of ourselves can only be given to
1: us by God.
0: Which Realizing to, who
1: we are in him.
0: We're incomplete.
1: Yes. I mean. And always will be apart from him. And that's I mean,
0: that alone, to be deprived of that fulfillment, is is a certain degree of, of
1: wrath. But to track all the way back, how do you know you're incomplete without God? <clears throat> the gospel has to be brought, proclaimed, but then the Holy Spirit has to give you the faith to trust and believe that. And humanity is so quirky
0: cuz we have self-awareness, we have consciousness, we have a sense of morality. No other creature, no tree, no animal, no bird, dog, anything sits there for hours on end and contemplates, what is the purpose of my life? They just they act on instinct. We don't have that. And that's like the beautiful thing. I mean, we humans were made in the image of God. And one part of that, we've been given this amazing gift. We know what's right, we know what's wrong, we're self aware. That's a beautiful thing, but we abuse that and we turn away from God and we worship ourselves. But you're right, because of that, we broke a law. You know, the first commandment love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And that's the you know the first and greatest commandment. And most humans go, nah. Nah. I I think I can achieve other things, be given other things, and that leads to death. Every human goes, nah. Every human goes, nah. And then... What you're saying is by the awakening of the Holy Spirit, you know, someone begins to realize, they hear that message of like, okay, there's a God that loves me, that wants to be with me, and I've broken his law, and oh my gosh, there's nothing I can... I can't do anything. Like, I can be the best, most moral person ever. It's not good enough because I'm incapable of uh, achieving the righteousness. You can do good, but it's like... It's broken, and only the Holy Spirit can convict in that way. You're and right. I can't, I can't, dude,
1: I can preach that ad nauseum on a Sunday morning. Nobody will ever the power, be convinced. Nothing. Nope. Nobody will ever be convinced unless God steps in. Because again, going back to Romans 3, I will always choose me apart from. That's why uh, Colossians, um, Paul talks about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, uh, an illustration I've heard quite often is, um, you know, somebody's out in the middle of the ocean, no boat, no land in sight, and they're treading water barely. And Jesus steps, you know, all of a sudden here comes Jesus reaching in that hand, pulling them out of the water. The problem is (laughs) what scripture says is that we're dead, lifeless, bottom of the ocean, no hope, no way to revive ourselves. And Jesus dives in to our situation, comes down to us, pulls us out, gives us life, and then quite often, we want to take credit for choosing to breathe. Oh, yeah, and that's the, that
0: phrase, achieving righteousness, I heard someone use, and it just, you cannot, I have climbed up the ladder of righteousness, and I'm now on par with God, because I'm human. It's like, man, you. Can I get edgy for a second? Mm, just for a second. Is it a hot take? Could be considered a hot take. No, we're, no, we we only sing the hot take song if it's hundred percent hot take. But okay. go ahead and be edgy. I got another edgy. song for Edgy. If I wish this... you would step back from that edge,
1: my friend, <laughs> oh my we'll be
0: politically correct and be best friends. Here's the edginess the of
1: it. If you want that works-based righteousness, okay. If you want that, and here I'm 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 gonna sound like a jerk, but I'm just gonna own it. Go be a Catholic, oh, dude. <laughs> It's what they do. Just watch Midnight Mass. It's true. It was very profound.
0: It it is. And so that's... This has been a pretty gloomy conversation so far to this point because we're like, humanity, and and that's it. It starts with God. We broke our meaning and purpose in life of worshiping God, and we, because we broke a just,
1: righteous God's law, it's got to be paid for. But that's like, but you don't come to, I need Jesus without first... Starts with God. And that's See, the thing. Yeah. People
0: try to build it up. It's like, well, me and my life, and if I claim to be a Christian, if I go to church on Sundays, I'm gonna be self-empowered. And it's like, oh, you have to start with God. And that's I think <laughs> the American church to go back to that, it starts with God. We are proxies. But the great thing, and this is I'm not a hellfire brimstone guy. We were talking about it at breakfast. It's I understand the necessity for it sometimes. But it's it's half the story. Because on the other side, it's like, all right, so humanity 100% disenfranchised from God. Can't be with them. Can't be eternally satisfied. Um, nothing we can do. Condemned forever. Adam and Eve, they broke the rules, and we are all damned for it.
1: But God made a way. And this is... We, God made a way. We are saved from something. And that was it. That eternal separation... Agony, pain, slavery to sin,
0: and that's the thing. So, but we're saved to, to something. We've been called to life, and that's that's the amazing part. I'm going to be cutting the grass today, and I'm looking forward to it. You know how it much meaning I day. have in being outside? It is a pretty it's day. Like, it's like, man, I serve a God who made this, and I, I believe it. I 100% believe it. You know how much more satisfying it is to be outside, to cut the grass, you know, to see the trees, to put my headphones in, listen to some music or podcasts. Like, I, recognizing that, you know, God made everything in my place within the creation. It just, I don't know, suddenly the mowing the grass is really exciting to me. Talking to people, meeting with someone, everything just has meaning and fullness in life because there is meaning and purpose behind it, and I know that. And you can worship God. You, you glorify the the you accept the gift by glorifying the giver like how you do just enjoy the gift and recognize
1: who the giver was and well and again and, Romans 1 talks about how instead of glorifying the creator we've glorified the creation. the creation
0: but that's the thing there has to be some way if we're meant to be with God and how do we how do we
1: get there the answer is you don't because somebody already has and that's Jesus and and we preach it here often that as a child of God God is fully satisfied in us eternally because he's eternally and fully satisfied in Christ. In what Jesus did on the cross and the empty tomb, satisfied the wrath of God to where now we no longer have to. Every sin for
0: every. I got to be careful the word I use here. Is to say, every sin that every person throughout history has ever committed, you could maybe put it that way or be like, every sin committed by believers did you you know remember that whole thing like Semantic. jesus yeah um the, I, I know where you're going but yeah yeah let's let's not try to slice and dice y'all y'all know what i mean listener you're smart because you listen to podcast. you know what i'm talking about the sufficiency of the sacrifice the sufficiency of the sacrifice is perfect covers the molt, all sins all that like the the punishment the eternal separation that we deserve that agonizing death, Jesus did. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He knew he who knew no sin became sin. Like, that was God crushing sin and death in Jesus Christ on that cross. How much time do we have left? What is your timer? You know, I started late. Hey, remember my, my prophecy earlier? I'm like, we're going to start getting preachy. Yeah, like, we did. Did we plan this out perfectly? Probably not. But I'm like, you know, I think we're at a point now where we're we're
1: a little bit overly passionate, and highly caffeinated. I didn't start my. We're probably like thirty minutes in. Okay, so I, got, I can I can I can circle this back around then, <laughs> because we I think we have, um, we've not dissected it to the best degree, but we have explained out the gospel. It is. If a- you were to sit
0: down somewhere in downtown Lewisburg and talk about. Me and you, if we were to sit down and like, what does it mean to be saved? This is exactly how the conversation This is out. exactly.
1: If we were to be right now, this so welcome is exactly- to the conversation, listener. So it goes back to our rebellion. We were created with a purpose. We rebelled against that purpose. And now to be reunited in relationship with our, our creator God, okay, our heavenly father, to be reunited with him, there's nothing in us an ability to do that. And so, therefore, God himself had to step into the picture. Do the work, and he is the only one that does the work. He's the one that paid the price for the sins. He's the one that sent the Holy Spirit. He's the one that, you know, God the Spirit indwells us and gives us faith and brings us to the light of the gospel and and all those things. So, circling all the way back, what does it mean to be saved? When do we get saved? And that's how we got on this there was a moment when we were saved. We were saved from God's wrath. We were saved from eternal separation. We were from, saved from slavery to sin, but we're also being saved. And too often, I think where you and I were really looking at it earlier, is too often people go, oh, I got saved when I was you know, nine years old at Vacation Bible School or 31 years old at a Sunday morning service or, you know, five years old when my dad prayed with me in my bedroom that night. And, and, and we, we look at it as a singular moment instead of recognizing that it is a lifelong happening mm-hmm. because, and I'll give you two reasons. After I come to faith in Christ... I become a child of God. Do I still sin? Nah. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still being saved from those sins. That payment Christ paid on the the cross is still sufficient for those sins. So I'm still being covered over and over through the blood of Christ. Those are covered. Okay? But then also there's a glorification coming when Christ returns His kingdom is made known to the fullest, is a culmination of his kingdom. He is placed, you know, at the head of the table, (laughs) you know, with the, the celebration of his kingship. And in that moment, death and hell are defeated, Satan's defeated, sin is defeated, and I am forevermore saved. It's not that singular moment. It's the fulfillment
0: of that because you can experience some elements of heaven here on earth. We call it God's kingdom. Yep, kingdom of heaven. And there, I mean, and then honestly, it's it's good. It flows from you know Jesus Christ. It flows from the the faithful work of the church. But it's not completed until after this life. So being saved, well, that's the gospel. Kind of little little zigzaggy. Like we 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 went we took a little left turn took a little bit of a detour, but my my hope is this: if anyone is listening, and we always have to go back to this one one of two types of listeners, those that you know have given their lives over to to Jesus Christ and following God and His commandments, loves Him, treasures Him forever through eternity, and those that you know maybe Jesus is a, he's a smart guy he was a good guy but you know, you know maybe every everybody gets to heaven they just got to find their own path. That's what I want to say. <clears throat> Oh, wow. The amount of joy that comes from knowing that no matter what happens, I'm okay. I don't have to do anything. Like, there's no pressure. I mean, I can mess up, and I don't want to, but it's okay. Like, I don't have to worry about, you know, what if something happens to me today? What if I'm in a car wreck, and and I die, and I never get to see, like, my daughters grow up. And it's like... It's okay. I I I don't. I can't do anything. I'm literally everything has already been done. It's working itself out to where it's like, I can just enjoy life in Christ. It's like I can enjoy the good things because
1: the giver of those gifts is good. It's like there's no pressure, and you can endure, and it makes me very happy. (laughs) And you can endure the bad things because you know he hasn't abandoned you. Yeah, and 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 that's why I. I think a good way to finish this one up is to give me what you think on this, Adam. Um, how does somebody know they're saved? And being saved. Yeah, and real quick, we can give you a better biblical word here, too. Um, sanctification. Okay. Am I sanctified in Christ? Yes, I have been made holy. I have been set apart as a child of God. Am I being sanctified? Yes, I am being uh, and I'm going to use the word perfected. I'm never going to reach perfection until the end of my life um, when I come into the kingdom, you know, in the spirit and one day in the body as well. But, um, but I am being sanctified. Uh, and so, how does somebody know that they're a child of God?
0: I would ask a question What brings you the most satisfaction in life? Like, be honest. Like, what is the one thing that satisfies you the most? Uh, if someone could be honest with themselves, be like, honestly, Jesus Christ is my treasure. That's that's what matters most to me than anything else. Jesus himself even said, like, if you you know, love your mother or father or your daughter or your son more than me, you're not worthy of my kingdom. It's like, what is your treasure? We really need to ask ourselves that. And It's convicting to me, too. It's like, well, really, what is my treasure? What, what am I doing in life? So that's where I would start. It's like, what is your source of satisfaction? Be, and be honest. And then I think if you were to look at someone's life, bigger picture, what you know, or reflect in your own life, I don't think it's so much where you started or where you're at per se. It's the direction you're going. Um, First John talks about it all the time. It's like, by this, you know, by this, you know, by this, you know. And it's like, do you have love for the church? Do you you love the light? Like if someone says they love the light, but they live in darkness and they're a liar. It's like there are products of someone's life, fruit, if you will, that you can look at. A good tree produces good fruit. And the Holy Spirit working within us. I think if you were to look at someone's big picture life, you know, not where they started, not where they're at, but the direction they're going, and to see proof of change, I think that that's that's good. Like, yeah, you're going to mess up and you're going to sin, but are you are you a joyful person? All the fruits of the Spirit. Are you a joyful person? Are you a patient person? Are you gentle? Are you loving? Are you kind? Do you
1: have self control? Do you? And and that's what when you come. To Christ, when you are regenerated, the Holy Spirit in, is indwelling you, empowering you, brings a spiritual gift. Okay, does anybody have all the gifts? No, um, there's even a debate. Do we they, need to make a
0: Christian superhero that has all the gifts? They... And his name is Jesus. Yeah. Oh, oh does he, we already he have, had one. Did he have all the gifts?
1: Uh, I, I believe so. I think so too. Um, but he, uh, <laughs> but uh, the spiritual <laughs> gifts, yeah, there's actually a debate, you know, do, do you get different ones throughout life? as is needed around you, you know, but that's a different debate. But a lot of times people think of the fruits of the Spirit the same way, that once the Holy Spirit comes, he brings part of the fruits and part of the fruits you just don't have. But that's not what the context of the Scripture is saying. The context of that is that the proof that the Holy Spirit is indwelling you and sanctifying you is uh, these fruits, these things coming Products. out. Products. So, what does your life produce? Yeah, if somebody doesn't have all those, they might go, I'm not saved. It's like, hold on, we're not saying that. because yeah, if I, you- I talked about
0: self-control. There are some things that, you know, I talk my thoughts. I'm sorry, but you will never have to guess how I feel about something, and that's not good. It, it's okay to be, you know, emotional in, in the right situation, but to be controlled by them is not a good thing. And there are some things I get really excited about. Even yesterday, doing a history presentation... It's like I was excited, not nervous, I was just excited. And right before I went into it, I, I told myself, it's like, I'm gonna exercise self control. I'm gonna slow down my speech. I'm gonna speak efficiently, enunciate everything well, get my point across. Okay, people are here. Hey, this is the history presentation. My name is Adam. And, you know, next thing I know, I covered a 90 minute presentation in 45 minutes, which I'm pretty sure I did. But it's like, man, I did not exercise self control. That's on me. Um, is it the world's worst? Iniquity. No, I mean, I recognize the problem. Yeah, now that can grow into something bigger. If you're if you're struggling self control, -control, like
1: you're you're murdering. Can you turn away
0: from temptation? For me, it's like, man, I'm naturally wired to talk quickly and be excited and run through stuff, and I can't do that in a professional setting all the time. But does that make me less of a Christian? It's like, no, I need to work and acquire more discipline, (laughs) and sanctification, and self control. But that's the thing is like
1: if somebody knows me. You know, mercy is not something I'm real high on. Um, now, I'm not merciful to myself or to other people typically. it's a, I've got this suck it up buttercup mentality, and and that's that's not good uh, in all situations. And so mercy is something that, but the Holy Spirit works that in me to become more merciful and to become more patient. Are you and, more merciful and more gentle now than you were five years ago? Uh, yeah, I think especially if you were to like talk to my wife,
0: um, or even my kids. That's another thing I was going to mention. How do you know? It's like, I don't know, talk to your friends and
1: ask them to Those give that their know opinion you closest. About you. And so the, the big thing is it's the proof of your life. If if the whole reason somebody says, How do you know you're a child of God? You point back to a prayer, and or, that's it. Or your attendance. Yeah, but, even if you have that. And I want to make sure that, that yep. I'm clear on this is the, the, the idea of the prayer. You know, Scripture does say, uh, with the heart, one believes, and with the mouth, one confesses. And so it there is a confession with the mouth, but notice what was first, belief in the heart. Confession with the mouth follows. It's not confession with the mouth, and then we believe. It's we believe. That's how we're able to pray, is to say, yes, I believe. There's this belief in my heart, so yes, I confess you as Lord. And so there is this moment of confession, but it's a lifelong confession of Christ as Savior. Yeah, But it's... It's the whole thing that somebody goes back and says, well, way back here. That's why when somebody wants to come into Covenant Community here at Grassroots, one of the things we ask is for their faith story. We want to know how they came to be a child of God. And the very last question on there is, how have you seen God work in your life since? And I'm always encouraged when we get that paper in where it's like, man, prior to Christ, I really struggled in these areas. And since he has really grown me, the thing is a lot of times what we see is, oh, God has blessed my life. I have a healthy family and um, a good job. And it's like, these are good gifts from the Lord, but we're talking about how has he sanctified you? And if we cannot look back over our life and have the the testimony of the people closest to us going man let me tell you how he has changed let me tell you how she has grown then are we are we putting our faith in our own wisdom our own actions our own prayer or are we putting our faith in Jesus And I think that's kind of the the key indication there. It's like, what what
0: does someone actually believe in? Like, what is your faith in? And I'll start wrapping up with this, too. We were talking about it at breakfast. We're, we're, you know, we people, humans, we're motivated by something. We are pushed by some type of influence. We subject ourselves to something. There's got to be one big thing, and it was meant to be God. But outside of that, it's just sin. And we know that, According to Scripture and James, desire leads to sin; sin leads to death. Like we're held bondage by sin, and the the ultimate result is death, like eternal just darkness and in death. But the flip side of that, God didn't pave a way for us just to avoid that. We're not just you know saved from that those bondages. And according to Scripture, according to Jesus Himself, it's like the you know, bonds of the bonds the the chains of sin are broken but put on my yoke like put on my burden it's light it's easy and you get to experience christians true believers in Jesus Christ get to experience life the way that it was intended so it's not just like yeah I was saved so I can just scrape by in life and I don't get to go to hell woo it's like yeah but more so than that it's like not only are you, you don't have to experience eternal torment you get experience life, everything that Jesus was, his inheritance, everything that was given to him, that is rightfully his, all dominion, he shares with us. And it's like wow, to experience life the way it was meant to be experienced. That's awesome, and it does break my heart whenever you hear hellfire, brimstone, and then they cut off. It's like okay, but but yeah, what else? I mean, saved to what? Yeah, and that's the thing. You're saved to life. You get experience life, joy. Relate to people the way you're meant to. And it's just the pressure is off and it's good.
1: And I think you just said it. We finally get to experience life as it was meant to be in Christ. Now, again, we're not talking Garden of Eden here. No sin, no pain, no work, no toil. We're still in a fallen world and we still are fallen uh, people. But I get to realize who God created me to be as a child of His. And, and I've, often, I've often thought about, you know, when I see people in despair who are not Christians, I, I look at them and I go, yeah, why wouldn't they be? Because what hope do they have? Whereas for us as Christians, you know, Peter talks about in First Peter that, you know, we have so much hope in Christ that if if Christ really isn't who he says he is, we should be the most pitied people on earth. But we have so much hope in him, and we get to live out this life. Witness that. We get to witness the beauty relation, of the trinity. Yeah.
0: I've been, I watch a lot of space videos <clears throat> at night. and um,
1: Maybe you know, should read the space trilogy. No, I tried. Um, Do it again. Just try again.
0: Watching videos about black holes and reading nope, up try on again. them and stuff try, like that. Nope, read them again. Any part <laughs> any part of creation. I need, nope, I need a confirmation to try again. Uh, maybe one day I will leave the door open. It's not closed entirely. The door is cracked. Thinking about parts of creation, like black hole, dude. There are some black holes that are bigger than our entire galaxy. Mm. Um it, they're they're crazy. Black black holes are nuts, and we don't we don't even know where to begin with that. The bottom of the ocean, we don't know what's down there. We Isn't probably that have wild? more life in the bottom of our own ocean than we have anywhere in any of the planetary systems. In that wild Right like... there, and we don't know. Giant squid is a real thing. It is a real thing. We found it and they're nuts. They're crazy. Bigfoot's sp- not crazy smart. We don't know that, there. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot ran off with all the Trump ballads. <laughs> Did y'all know that? I saw it, and on the on the internet. <laughs> but um, anyway, the reason I'm bringing all that up: black holes, the vastness and the depth of the seas and the oceans, even the Grand Canyon, or any really nice natural landscape. Looking at it. <clears throat> Thinking, wow, this is a product of evolutionary circumstances, and it's all, woo, it just worked out this way with no meaning. Oh, cool. It's a big, big canyon pit. Woo. Yeah, it's pretty to look at, but it has no meaning. Versus, wow, there's a creator who loves beauty who made this, and I get to, I, get, and now in this moment, I am being allowed to witness that creator's. Not only beauty, but a reflection of their beauty. I mean, it looks different. I'm just just saying that black holes, Grand Canyon, depths of the oceans look a lot different. So much more flavor and life to them
1: in Christ the way that it's meant to be versus outside. Just like you have more of appreciation for it. Yeah, and again, getting to walk through this life with that understanding um, and that hope for the future to come. Uh, the the beauty of the gospel and seeing it change people's lives. And you mentioned before, like growing throughout your life, to understand
0: that concept on a bigger capacity as you understand more about the world around you and more about people as you go through your life and acquire more wisdom and knowledge and growth to be able to experience Jesus more and more and more in that way. That's awesome.
1: And that's where I think we said it earlier that we need to continue having the gospel preached <laughs> over us even after we become a child of God is remembering that gospel. And because he did say his yoke is easy and his burden's light, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes we feel outnumbered. Sometimes we're like, you know, King David, who's like, I'm 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 so beat down to the point of death, God. I, I'm overrun by my enemies. But then David goes back and goes. But who can stand against our God? Who, who, can, who can stand against, you know, our creator? And, and it's this thing. It's this hope to come. We get to live each day in that, even with the chaos surrounding us, the frustrations of it.
0: All the suffering in the world that you witness.
1: And it, isn't people just getting hurt? Let that like, gospel be preached over you and then go proclaim the gospel to the world, knowing one day he will set it right.
0: hmm it's a, it's a work. That's what I've talked about it in our group before, but, um, some would say, it's like, well, if I were God and I was completely powerful and sovereign, I would end all suffering. It's like, yeah, and he is paving a way to end all suffering. Um, you know, one, uh, you know, a thousand years is one day to him. He's much bigger than time, you know, to him. It's, it's not like this long process to us. It is because we're finite humans. It looks like, man, 15,000 years of human history
1: to God. It's like, man, that's 15 minutes. He's working it out. Do you remember um, Bruce Almighty? Yeah. With Jim Carrey. Do you remember how he sets up the computer to answer all the prayers? <laughs> yeah. And he, he flies through it, and he's like, done. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you have a billion you know, emails. And, the, and so he just answers yes to mm-hmm. all of them. And then he goes out to the chaos the next day. And it's like we are so much smaller than God. Yeah, I think uh, Tim Keller
0: said that. It's like, if we were God, we would answer prayers the same way he does. Mm. If we were God and knew everything, we would answer prayers the same way he did. Well, if anything, I hope that this helped everyone who's listening understand what it means to be saved. Uh, If you can't say that, or if you just have some thoughts you want to send our way, let us know. The website is grassrootswv.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, around and about throughout this greater Greenbrier County community. If you made it this far, you're pretty stinking awesome. Uh, appreciate you giving us your time. We will be seeing you soon. Ladies, peace.